Hello and welcome to the Sellerman Podcast. It's a new year. It's 2021. Happy New Year. Hope you had uh, a decent Christmas. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Everyone's in lockdown. Uh, I'm I'm still here chatting to people on Zoom nearly a year later. Um, look, here we are. So one of the things I love about Scotland is they know how to have a good party. And obviously we're all recovering from Christmas still. Some people have unwisely gone dry and veganuary um, I don't know how you could do that in the current climate but there we are all power to you um, but one of the things I love is that at the end of January on the 25th is Burns Night obviously celebration of Robbie Burns but also really a celebration of the fact that we have basically got through January and we're still alive um, so I wanted to chat to a friend of mine Rory Mellis who is a son of Ian Mellis who set up um, Mellis Cheesemongers in the early 90s, former cheese maker. And really, Mellis, I would say, is the peak of affinage in Scotland. They do wholesale, retail, they have now some hospitality, um, little bars, cheese and wine bar set up. And they're just really good at what they do, really good at championing great Scottish cheese, farmhouse, artisan cheeses that we don't see a massive amount down where I live in London. Um, but really we should see a lot more of because there's some real real beauties and Rory was kind enough to send down um, the little hamper that they're sending out I say little, it's actually a very generous hamper they're sending out uh, for Burns Night to their online customers along with a couple of other cheeses um, and we chatted about the business, we chatted about Rory we talked about how life has been over the last 12 months the history of their business, the future going forwards but um, as we did so, we also tasted through the cheeses and some whiskies that Rory had paired with three of the cheeses. Um, so apologies if you can hear me kind of chewing and slurping. I'm just, just here enjoying myself, really. Um, so look, uh, without further ado, I'll say thanks for joining me again in this new year. And here he is. It's Rory Mellis of Mellis Cheese. The, the business was started, uh, actually started by my dad um, in 1993. Um, he was a cheesemaker for about 15 years before this, and he moved from, you know, making cheese into the into the retail sector in 1993, and then just kind of grew that uh, for, you know, 20 odd years. So we started off in Victoria Street, which is in the old town, and then developed that into Glasgow when there was quite a, there was a demand for, you know, Scottish cheese and, and, and cheese in the West Coast there. Um, and then we moved back into into Edinburgh and we started developing more shops in Edinburgh and then opened up in St Andrews and in Aberdeen. But initially the business was kind of started by my dad because of of his passion for cheese and cheese making. So he moved into retail and it, it kind of it, it proved successful. So we just opened up a, little, a few more shops and and uh, yeah, and here we are in 20, 2021 now. So how long have you been I've got images of you working behind the counter as a kid, you know? Yeah, uh, so I started uh, about 12, 13. My first job was going up and down the, the queue in Glasgow at Christmas time and just uh, handing out cheese samples to the big queue that was wrapped around Great Western Roads. And uh, and that was my first you know, initial uh, memory of, of working. And then I moved into, after school, I moved into working in Victoria Street Shop on the Fridays and Saturdays and, and just slowly moved into the business through that, through through a kind of passion, um, and lastly, kind of went to university in Edinburgh, uh, just around the corner from our Morningside store, and then after that, I I was kind of dodging in between university and managing the Morningside shop, 
um, and then I went to go and spend a year a year abroad in Madrid, mm. just kind of to do my Erasmus exchange, and I spent more time seeing all the cheesemakers and and cheesemongers in Madrid than I did going to actual university. So I think when I yeah, when I hit about 20 years old, I, I made the decision to come back full time into the business. What's your role now? I mean, how much how much is your dad still involved in the kind of day to day running of everything? Or is he sort of gently passing the reins? It's a little bit like uh, what's that? What's that HBO drama succession? Are you competing against any siblings for the for the title of uh, CEO of the business? Yeah, uh, no, well, I'm 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 director now as of, of last year um, and I kind of take I kind of manage the, the the shops and the wholesale side and the online side and dad, dad and mum are still you know involved in in the business but more I'd maybe say more sort of advisors than than direct contact with all the shops all the time so um I've only got a bit of competition but he my little brother's down in, in London where you guys are so uh there's there's uh he's, he's chefing at the moment so there's a pretty strong sort of tradition of being involved with and loving you know, good food and drink and that sort of seems to be part of your kind of, you know, you can only tell so much from social media, but honestly, your basically your 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 feed seems to be split between cheese, quite extreme exercise, and 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 amazing and delicious looking food, which I mean you mentioned to me on the phone that actually, you know, you, you kind of obviously everyone's locked down, so you can't go up and see your mum and dad. And you mentioned, you know, I just want to go up and want to eat some of my dad's food. So clearly he's not just a cheesemaker, he's a pretty mean chef as well. Yeah, I think I think the food's the food aspect is definitely a major part of, of our family. We yeah, we 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 love food and we I spent quite a lot of or the family spent a lot of time in the south of France, you know, visiting cheesemakers, but enjoying good French, you know, basic uh, diner food. And it kind of, you know, just took from there. I think I've been involved with food and restaurants and and good quality produce since I was quite a young age. So I think it just molded into into the role. There's sort of elements of that kind of hospitality starting to move into your into your retail spaces as well. So, you, you know, obviously, I don't know what the situation is in Scotland. I'm sure, you know, I'm imagining all of those places are closed um but but you can go in for a plate of cheese glass of wine that sort of thing we kind of took that on uh, that idea on maybe three three years ago in the back of the stockbridge shop and we had a a small kind of tasting room where we would hold uh, cheese and wine tastings after the shop was shut um, and that kind of slowly moved in after i came back from spain we decided to open up a, a bar in the back of the morningside shop uh, and that was more of a focus on letting people enjoy the cheese that they maybe purchased in the store in the back of the room um, and then that slowly progressed into okay we'll add some you know more seats uh, we'll open until 10 o'clock at night and we'll put tastings on that are you know, targeted at, at people who want to come and enjoy you know, cheese and wine um, tasting so I think that the hospitality side is definitely moving in um, to the business now and especially with my little brother chefing down in London I think it's probably going to continue. So do you foresee a time where he comes back and becomes Mellis exec chef or something like that you know? Maybe maybe I mean he's, he's quiet so he's, he's difficult to get any information out and he's, I'm sure he's got <laughs> ideas but uh, yeah I think that probably is the plan. 
um, whether he likes it or not, I suppose. <laughs> so you're quite a sort of diverse business in that case. You've got, obviously, you're wholesaling two other restaurants. So let's talk about your basic model in that you're buying direct from these great farmhouse artisan producers, not just in Scotland, but you're representing, you know, pretty heavily a kind of Scottish offer with European and, and to the rest of the UK as well. Um, and then selling into restaurants, uh, you know, having matured the cheese. But I mean, it is... It is immaculate. It's really exciting to see, you know, cheese in, in such good condition because obviously you have your maturing rooms and, and that's a big part of what you do. The the maturing aspect is, I think it was maybe just a stepping stone for dad to come out of cheese making and put his influence on farmhouse cheese in a way that maybe other retail businesses couldn't, um, especially back then. So it, I think the maturing aspect and, and the ability to have the cheese young and be able to mature it or release it younger or release it a little bit older kind of gives us that usp um but we're yeah we're, we're heavily heavily retail based that's our that was the initial business model um and we then moved into offering wholesale cheese to to, to other restaurants and delicatessens and slowly moved into the online side of things maybe about 17 18 years later um but yeah we, we've tried to to, to put know well, so to speak as many fingers in different pies just to keep us quite diverse well it's it's the sort of the nature of it particularly at the moment i mean i did mention at the beginning that we touch on covid and here we are um you know you talk about mail order and actually that's i'm assuming that's become a uh, you know a massive part of your as a sort of weighting of your business over the last 12 months i'm imagining that's making up a good percentage at the moment yeah for sure it was quite scary in march just to kind of lose all of that wholesale I'm sure you'll know just that that wholesale trade almost disappeared overnight to having a lot of a lot of phone calls and emails and coming into one order um so that as, as an aspect of, of of COVID definitely hit us quite hard but we the, the online sales made up for the for the lack of wholesale sales and it was quite considerable especially towards Christmas this year that online took such a major part of um of our sales uh well to keep to keep us afloat and we we also closed our victoria street shop which was the first one that dad opened and that was dead it was it was a ghost town it was from you know going from loads of of, of tourists to basically none so it, it took on the it, the online sales took on the the aspect of well took on, took on the lack of sales from victoria street and to be honest, a lot of a lot of the our customers weren't coming into the shop, um, so giving like, giving them the opportunity to order online and get it delivered from home was something or a change that we had to to make pretty quickly in March. So, and you'd hope that would even out over time. Obviously, you'd like to retain these sales, but really, you'd like to see a more even spread across the different areas of your business. I can speak for a lot of people in the in the hospitality sector that I'd much rather see the hospitality restaurants and bars and pubs go back open. Um, and take a little bit of dip in online sales, to be honest. Well, it's really hard. I mean, online sales is tricky. I remember talking to uh, Andy Swinsco about trying to sell St. James cheese online. And obviously, uh, you know, as you'll know, St. James cheese has a kind of slightly kind of cultish following within the cheese industry because Martin makes it in such a kind of, you know, old school way but very very natural kind of way and because of that it changes constantly so how do you you know how do you do that online you're not going to kind of update the tasting notes 
every other day. You can't do that thing that cheesemongers do and have that lovely kind of connection and say, look, I tasted this batch this morning. It's tasting X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's different from the last time you had it or whatever. So yeah, I think we're all excited to have that kind of human contact back for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that 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 was a, a major a major part of the online is you you you, you lose that face-to-face -face aspect with people and being cheesemongers, whether it's, well, whether it's a cheesemonger, fishmonger, a butcher, that face-to-face -face interaction with a customer is something that's it's irreplaceable online. You, It's quite difficult to move the customer relationships over to online and still continue to give the best service that, that people expect. But I think you have to just, uh, I think you just have to roll with it and just trust the fact that the customers go onto the site, not expecting it to be the same as, as, as what it was maybe last week or the cheese doesn't taste exactly the same as this last week you're in the artisan market and everything changes and they're the customers that you had from before as well obviously you're gaining new customers but you, you know they understand how it works so look because we're talking about online let's let's have a little look at what what we have in front of us here so i've laid it out i did a very beautiful little picture for instagram earlier and actually now i've just got much smaller bits laid out on a slightly less uh, splendid board just just because there's not enough room on the table for the laptop as well um but let's start with the with the elric log uh from errington from selena tell me a little bit about this cheese here yeah so the elric log is quite uh, it's a relatively new cheese for us um we started selling this about a year and a half ago, so 2019, um, kind of late winter. And Selena bought a herd of goats uh, around about the August time, 2019. And we basically just started selling this lactic uh, raw milk goat's cheese. It's coated in ash and it's quite, it's, we don't have anything like this up in Scotland. So initially it was quite a, you know, a shock and, and a really, a really nice creation. So it's a raw milk goat's cheese made down in Lanarkshire um, and then just dusted in vegetable ash. So it's got a really smooth, uh, creamy paste, nice level of salt, and it's quite strong as well. So it's got quite a nice density, that real sort of fudginess. Is that how much of that is coming from your choices that you're making in the maturation? Are you you looking to lose moisture so that you're kind of making it a denser, more kind of, I guess, continental style goat's cheese or? I, I suppose just drawing out a little bit of moisture is really important. So you can just get that really nice creamy kind of like cloyy mm. taste. You can refresh with maybe a glass of white wine or some whiskey. So I think that is a, is an important part in the Elric log. It's, it's quite similar to maybe Golden Cross or, or something, yeah. you know, develops that bloomy rind and then, draws out a little bit of moisture and becomes a little bit smoother. Yeah, so the batch that I've got is just starting to develop that bloomy. You can still see quite a lot of the ash underneath, but there's a kind of slightly dappled mould rind starting to form and then that just that beautiful pure white alabaster single kind of texture and, and texturally really fudgy. Like it's not, you mentioned it was strong. I mean, like, I don't know, strong always summons up fairly kind of robust images for me you know if someone says a goat's cheese is strong i'm imagining like billy goat's gruff trampling all over the place but this is actually just really smooth and lovely kind of dairy finish there isn't that kind of musky goatiness about it at all no no, no it's definitely one for, that, that people can in, in enjoy um even if they're not a massive fan of goat's cheese and mm. uh, the fact that it's it's probably scotland's first astral goat's cheese to be developed i think we 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 really pushed the we really pushed this cheese when it came on board and it was such a revolution for us to, to have a, a now 
lactic uh, asphalt. Because I know there's 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 loads down in England and and a lot of uh, opportunities for them to start. But something up here in Scotland was yeah it was relatively new. So it's- what's the reason for that? Just 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 because there's no sort of you know there's not like an antipathy towards it or it's hard to keep goats in Scotland or I think it's a combination of both. I think obviously okay. some of the uh, the goats are definitely going to be out for longer. It's much better weather, whereas up here. You- it tends to be raining like eighty percent of the time, so it's a it's it's a fine balance. But I think maybe there's not as you know there's not as many cheesemakers up here in Scotland as there is there are down in England. So maybe just a combination of the both. But definitely weather's got a big factor um, in that. I saw you there just on the Zoom there, just just gently starting to open your whiskey uh, whiskey miniatures there. Where where what am I looking for? Leave me in the whiskey world because I'm not I'm not you know I love my cider. You're looking for Lechaig. Lechaig. So L-E-D-A-I-G for the uninitiated. Just to kind of confuse things, it's spelled L-E-D-A-I-G. Well, pro- probably not confusing if you grew up in Scotland, to be fair. But uh... so this is uh, this is actually a, a whiskey from Tobermory. So a peated whiskey from Tobermory on uh, the West Coast there. It's quite robust and quite smoky. So being a peated whiskey, I quite liked the, the fact that it paired well with the Elric because it's it's a nice contrast. There's some sweetness there as well, though, isn't there, on the nose? Like, it is, it is, it's all about the smoke, but there's definitely a kind of a, a, a sweetness happening here. I've... You get that kind of, I don't know, like that TCP flavour. And a lot of peated whiskies have that, that, that smell and flavour of TCP, and I think it's quite... So the, the contrast with the Elric is that it, the Elric offers that really nice, creamy, mouth-coating feel, and then the whiskey, the peated whiskey, the smokiness kind of breaks through it quite nicely. That's delicious. And actually, it's interesting, I... So I wouldn't have thought to reach for something quite as kind of robustly flavoured and, and aromatic as that whiskey. I would have imagined that that would have, you know, powered through the goat's cheese and just kind of squashed it. But actually, I think because of that lovely mouth coating and the way that the kind of the alcohol and the smoky notes play, I think that's really, yeah, really delicious. The next one we're going to move to is Deanston 12. This is made uh, just outside Loch Lomond in the Trossachs, so near uh, like Sterling Calendar. And it's just a bit softer, so a lot, a little bit nuttier, a bit oakier, and and more flavours of caramel and and just a little bit tamer than than maybe the Lechaig. Um And we pop that with the Loch Arthur cheddar. So this is maybe something. I don't know about you. I always got taught to have you either contrast with your pairing wine and cheese. You either contrast them with maybe a sharp white and a creamy cheese, or mm. you marry them together. So I think this is maybe an example of uh, a nice a nice marriage. So Loch Arthur, Loch Arthur is actually one of the very few organic um, cheeses, well, organic certified, made down in Dumfries and Galloway um, by Barry Graham. So this is a eight to nine month aged cheddar um, made with raw cow's milk. And it's just got this lovely kind of caramel creaminess, I think. It's quite tame. It's not too sharp either. So it's, it's Barry Graham started this. Uh, trust where they would pull in people with you know, learning difficulties, special needs, and to to come and help run the, the the daily the daily farm and the daily aspects of making cheese. So um, they they house them in these outhouses that they have around the creamery, uh, and they're they're involved basically from learning to turn cheese uh, to cutting cheese just to help the, the maturation. So it's 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 a big community there um, where. It basically all housed around the, the creamery and they have a farm shop where they work as well um, but it's my, my granddad actually used to live down in Dumfries and Galloway and that Camp Hill community in, in, in Dumfries was probably one of 
the only places where he went um, and where a lot of the community went. So it's, it's quite a, yeah, it's got, it's got quite a diverse customer ranges and, and, and is, is quite, um, yeah, it's quite special in, in the work that they do there. It seems you spend a lot of time when you can getting out to visit these people, the people who make the cheeses. And what, why is that so valuable to the work that you do? I think it's really important to have that the the supplier and and a relationship between us and, and the cheesemakers just the just just to understand maybe why the batches of cheese are tasting different this year or um what they may be doing different this year and I think the the communications maybe not the best over the phone or over over email uh, cheesemakers are are much much better face to face so I think having that ability to say okay well this batch of westry wife or this batch of lock arthur's tasting different because barry put the cows out i don't know five six weeks later or it's not been as good a year so they've not been out in the grass as much and i think you can only really get that from meeting them and from you know regular visits otherwise you kind of lose touch with why the cheese is maybe not tasting the same this year as it was last year and then it's just easy enough for us to, to to put across to our staff, which is then relayed onto the customers. So I think if you broke if you break that chain between us visiting the dairies and and the and the cheesemaker relationship, it, it can all breaks down. I think you kind of lose that sense of from start to finish, which is what farmhouse and artisan is 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 about. Being part of a chain from the soil all the way to someone's table in Newtown, Edinburgh. You know, it's that kind of like. Yeah, I think, and I totally get what you're saying. I, I think for me, that's the best bit about it. Really, is those chains of communication. I think that's really key. So, yeah, D again, a delicious cheese that the, the Camp Hill Village Trust know how to make cheese. It has to be said. Last year, that was where uh, all the cheesemakers gathered in uh, in Dumfries and Galloway, and we we all tasted each other's cheeses. And it's it's Barry Graham is, if you're up in Scotland, probably the pioneer of. Of what represents Scottish cheese making? What is Scottish cheese? What makes Scottish cheese Scottish cheese? I think what makes us different is probably probably the climate. I think a lot of people really don't realise the the extent of of how how good a crop and good a land that we have. And um, we're not overrun with buildings, and that there's a lot of exposed farmland that's that's is ready, you know, to be to be used. And I think that has got a major part to play in good quality good quality land gives good quality milk which then inevitably produces good quality cheese and I, I do think over the past few years that Scotland's just developed this this great reputation for his the story and everything behind the cheese and I think we can be fairly romantic in, in how we put that across to the customer so definitely a, a, a USP in that respect is there's a lot of stories uh, that you can put behind cheeses in Scotland and the land itself is something that is quite difficult to replicate and replicate in, in you know, um, cities and, and, and suburbs. So we've got the land for it. So I think that's maybe a big part in, in the way and the quality of the cheese, I think. Let's go to the next cheese. This is Hebridean Blue. So this is, uh, I suppose, Scotland's taken a Stilton, um, so, so to speak. This is made in the Isle of Mull on the West Coast. Uh, a relatively relatively young but incredibly strong tasting blue cheese uh it's made with raw milk so i suppose maybe the difference to to your colson basket stilton maybe the pasteurizers it's 
the blue can be a lot more difficult to control. So you definitely get the spicy note. The blueing is prolific. For those of you who have not seen Hebridean blue, it's... I mean, I'd almost go as far to say as it's somewhere between a Stilton and a kind of Blue de Terminion. You know, that kind of like super blued cheese where there's almost no gaps between the blue. There's definitely a kind of a, you can see the curd in this. Is that, you know, you can see where the blue is traveling, but it is, yeah, prolific. Again, like it's, it's, the texture on it is extraordinarily smooth. Like it, it's got a lovely little bite to it and then it just. It is. I think, I think all the textures at the moment in the, in the Scottish cheese, they, they're all really smooth and really just delicate. And there's no kind of graininess that you would maybe usually find in farmhouse cheeses and this one especially the Hebridean it's a little bit younger so it's got that still got that youthful young curdy taste in the in the cheese itself but the blue veins are quite rich and they're pretty spicy no yeah 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 it goes well with the bone water this is the kind of maybe whiskey that is more kind of fruity uh yeah. little Christmassy kind of spice notes to it mm -hmm. Um, and this is an, an Isla whiskey, so it is beautifully paired with the, the, the saltiness of the Hebridean blue, I think. So kind of a little bit more toffee and caramel notes to it than, than the other peated ones, I think. So it's a lot smoother, I think, when you find it's, it's, it's different on the nose, obviously, but I think it's got a lot smoother and a lot calmer. Yeah, I mean, again, that's delicious. That little sweetness in the whiskey, though, you know, is kind of working there with the, with the spice of the blue. and It's a great contrast. I think this would maybe more be... If you were talking in wine terms, something like your port and Stilton. And the cheeses that we've tasted here with the whiskies, that makes up the core of your Burns Night offer, basically. Yeah, that's that's that that was our reason behind it. Maybe doing something a bit different. We would usually just put out a, a box of Scottish cheese, maybe some crackers. But this year we we had a lot of uh, interest when Victoria Street was open last year. We opened up to Scottish whiskey flights and mm. through the experience of, of Scotland. And we thought, why not? convey this onto on, rolls onto Burns Night and uh, having three three whiskies and three cheeses that kind of takes you through. You popped in a couple of other cheeses as well. So we've got the Westry Wife and St Andrew's Cheddar, which I'm a big fan of. I really love that cheddar. I think it's great. Yeah, so the, the Westry one's maybe a, a, a good one to, to, yeah. to point out. So that is made, that's made up in the Isle of Westry. So for people who don't know the Isle of Westry, that is the Orkney Isles, which is uh, the very, very tip north of Scotland. We've got a group of islands called the Or uh, Orkney Isles, and this one is just further north than the mainland, so maybe about 15, 20 miles off the off north of, of the Orkney mainland. Uh, and this is a washed round cheese, so this is made by Jason and Nina, two South African, uh, moved over to Westry. And they created this kind of alpine-style um, cheese. It's got kind of similar qualities to maybe Raclette did. And what we do in at the start of every every year in March, we would go up, see the first batch of cheese being made, bring this back, and then we would start aging it. So the, the actual cheese that you have in, on, on your plate there is is probably about five or six months older than when they when they would initially send it to us. So it's probably about seven, eight months old. So you're undertaking all the washing, all the cheese care from from you know. So you're effect, effectively Scotland's affineur. That's really what that's what you do. Exactly. Yeah, and we I'm, you know, I can sit here and say that we, you know, we do this with Brie de Meaux and all of these cheeses, but you'll, you'll know yourself that the French are very good at making cheese and ready, ready to sell when it's ready to sell. But for the aspect of from, from maybe from Scotland and, and smaller scale English and, and, and UK producers, it's really important to, to even just try these out. And we've got batches of Westry that are two, three months old, and we've got batches that are seven, eight months, and we just 
sell them both side by side and see see what works but this gives it a lot more like caramel a lot more depth of flavor god i was going to say like a real sort of toffee note and then it comes through with sort of lovely sort of i don't know saline kind of finish it's really yeah it's a stunning cheese and he's he Jason's fantastic. He actually was, he used to work down at Loch Arthur Creamery years and years ago um, and, and learned the whole process of um, of cheesemaking from there and, and took that up to Westry. And the, the big factor we were talking about land earlier was the Westry's an island with no, no foliage, no trees, no nothing. So the lot of salt spray from, from the North Sea tends to, to, to spray onto the on, on Westry, so that definitely affects the grass and and the grass that the cows eat and into the milk. So it's got this beautiful kind of fresh tasting um, flavor from the start. And then when you age it up a little bit further, it doesn't actually need that much salt brine. It's quite naturally salty. I'd love to know how two South Africans end up making cheese in Orkney, but you know, come on. I mean, that's that's a story in itself, surely. And, and my understanding, the guys who make uh, Hebridean Blue, they're originally from down south is that right yeah from somerset they took yeah. that that recipe on from from kind of the somerset Keynes style mm. cheese so yeah when you definitely taste the isle of malt cheddar against yeah. Keynes, for example you, you you get that creamy mustardy mm. uh, flavor running through so definitely influences but obviously they're, they're using different breeds of cattle and then you've got the or different cow breeds and you've got the land and you've got the the terroir exactly terroir mm. so that's definitely a, a a pinnacle cheese that we've started you know, selling and, and people really love. And then we've also got the St. Andrew's Farmhouse cheddar, which is made in St. Andrew's. So this one is it's quite a contrast to, to the malt, I think. Um, having, having an East Coast cheddar and a West Coast cheddar is something quite nice to see the differences in, in what land does you know, make to, to the flavour of the cheese. So this one's a lot sweeter, uh, a lot nuttier. And uh, just a little bit, yeah, more caramel flavors are coming through, less mustardy and and, and creamy. Uh, but I think it's just due to I think Jane keeps her cows out for a little bit longer. And um, obviously, in the West Coast, it's heavily rain influenced, a lot of rain, and maybe the cows can't stay out for as much time throughout the year. Whereas in the West, in the East Coast, it tends to be a bit drier, so you get that quality of grass, which is maybe more more protein rich. I mean, that's another great cheese. I love it. So look, we've had a bit about the history of your business. We've talked about the present. What are you, what's happening next? I mean, obviously that's that's really hard to say in the short term because, you know, we don't know when this lockdown will lift. We don't know when restaurants will open. We don't know what hospitality is going to look like on the other side. But are there kind of broader plans for you guys? We've been selling uh, quite a bit of Scottish cheese down down south of the border. So that's definitely going to continue. Um, and growing the wholesale and online market is something that I'm quite interested in. Probably more exciting wise, we're, we're looking into venturing into, into a proper bar and restaurant, uh, hopefully, and developing the wine side of the business because that's a, heavily, a heavy part of the business that maybe people don't realize that we have is, um, is the wine and hospitality side. So I think perhaps in the, in, the, in the year to come, fingers crossed, again, depending on what happens with, with lockdown is, mm-hmm perhaps looking at a bar and, and restaurant side of things and developing our, 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 our cheese reputation into something that can be enjoyed in, in the hospitality side with food. Um, and again, just, I think, developing online. We, we, we learned a lot during the first lockdown of all the niggles and 
But this whole online, uh, you know, direct supply kind of thing that we're all doing at the moment, is that here to stay? Is that something, you know, has it fundamentally changed the way that people shop for fine food and drink or artisan produce or whatever? Yeah, yes and no. I think I think it'll stay for certain, for, for certain people, I think this this will be the new norm of, of ordering and, and buying online. But I think for the most part, I think a lot of people when it's safe to do so i think they they'll come back into the retail stores and they're they're going to want something to do and with the hospitality sector obviously closed for just now but what reopening i think a lot of people will have this urge to go out and an urge to communicate with people so as much as i think people are buying online now i think i'm not too sure it will continue to the extent that it has been going um we're, we're quite you know, rational creatures, and we do love face-to-face contact. So I, I really hope it doesn't um, continue just purely based off a, you know, a, a sanity, a sanity part. Seeing seeing people and and tasting the cheese and and having that face-to-face and interaction with the customers is is so important. I think for the customer and for ourselves. So I can see the online developing and and maybe making more money than it, it has in previous years, but I can't see it completely taking over the market of of farmhouse shopping, to be honest. Great to chat with uh, Rory there. Um, he's a really good guy. What what didn't maybe come across is he's still in his early 20s. I mean, he's director of a pretty serious business uh, up in Scotland. He's got real heritage. They do an amazing job. Um, I can't wait to go back up to Edinburgh and visit uh, and maybe check out that, that new bar restaurant he was talking about. Hopefully we'll see that... Um, Gosh, maybe this side of next Christmas, who knows? Uh, but yeah, really brilliant to speak to him. Um, great to hear about those producers making really exceptional cheese. And do do seek out Scottish cheeses. There's some wonderful stuff being made. Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe even check out the Mellis uh, website. So you can buy their cheese online. Um, and actually, I live down in London and the cheese arrived in absolute perfect nick. Beautifully presented, beautifully kept. So yeah. Thanks to Rory uh, for for that and thanks for talking to me for the Salomon Podcast. I'll see you next time. The Salomon Podcast is produced by me, Sam Wilkin. If you want to know more about Salomon, go to Salomon Sam on Instagram and Twitter or check out the website, salomon.co.uk. Salomon.